New on CuriosityStream, Darwin's theory of evolution, a scientific breakthrough, but 1920s Tennessee wasn't ready for it. It became the Bible versus evolution. Followed a heated trial that changed American education forever on Monkey in the Middle. And it's the country's deadliest highway. There were something like 178 accidents in a 10-year period. Don't miss the most dangerous road in America. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. What does a sane mind look like when subjugated by waves of unrelenting madness? An innocent home video turned into murderous slaughter. Normal loving parents morphing into deceitful, homicidal maniacs. The very foundation under my metaphorical feet disappearing, leaving my fragile psyche spiraling into the unknown abyss. Yes, I tend to get just a little bit philosophical when I'm under a lot of stress. I suppose under normal circumstances, it helps calm my nerves. But as I sat in that dark cabin, cradling Dave like a little baby, my mom's sinister words echoing repeatedly in my head. I felt no relief in delving into the soothing corners of fatalism. The situation required swift action. Swift, decisive, well-executed action. Not my strong suit. So I did what I imagined anyone in my situation would do. I called my big brother. He'd know what to do. He was my polar opposite in many ways. Charismatic, athletic, outgoing, funny. He could make widows laugh on the day of their late husband's funeral and effortlessly talk his way out of any crime, petty or otherwise. He'd help me out, like he'd done so many times before. I'll spare you the boring details of the conversation which, in short, involved a lot of ums and me desperately trying to string together a coherent narrative, failing many times over, and Justin patiently waiting for me to finish. That's, um, all I know, I murmured tiredly. I know, uh, it's, it's hard to believe, but I swear, Justin, it's the truth. There was a long, silent, awkward pause. I believe you, Jeffy. He finally said. I don't know why, but I believe you. It felt like a great burden was lifted from my shoulders, and I could finally breathe again. The growing tension in my chest faded instantly, and I even think I smiled, or at least thought about smiling. I do that quite often for some reason. Think about things, instead of actually doing them. Like the manifestation of thought was enough. So, uh... What now? I asked. Just hang back, Jeffy, he said. I'll get in touch with the police. Explain everything. You get some rest. Stay put. I'll call you when I have some news. I glanced around the cramped, dark cabin. There was nothing but the couch I was sitting on, a table, a few ramshackle cabinets, and a cast iron stove. Yeah, I said. I'll do that. Uh, Justin. Please hurry, okay? You know, uh, you know I don't like waiting. Will do, Jeffy. Will do, he said reassuringly, before hanging up. I sat in the darkness for a while, staring at nothing except dull wooden walls, trying to make sense of everything that had happened. It didn't. Nothing made sense anymore. And I had a hard time figuring out how anything could ever make sense again. It was like my whole life had been an illusion, 
an impossibly elaborate magic trick, where I was the poor white rabbit stuffed in the hat all this time, obscured and hidden from heinous reality. I guess I must have dozed off at some point, collapsed in exhaustion. I know it wasn't a dreamless sleep, because I remember swimming in rivers of blood, but I care not to dwell on the details of it. Doesn't help with my anxiety. Doesn't help with my sanity. I woke up sweating and shivering and hurting to the vague sensation of my phone buzzing. I'd been asleep for at least 12 hours, but it felt like barely a minute, and the vibrant rays of the sun blinded me as I stumbled to my feet. My body felt battered and beaten, almost like I'd been in a car crash. And it took me a moment or two to realize that, yes, that's exactly what had happened. Um, Justin, I muttered weakly. Did you fix it? Can I come home? There was no answer, just silence. I waited patiently for maybe 30 seconds, every so often checking if the call was still active. Justin? I queried once more. Jeffy, Justin said, voice trembling. You need to stay put, okay? Don't move, you hear me? Help is on the way, all right? Ah, uh, I stammered confusedly. Uh, I don't understand. Did they find Dad? Did they find Mom? Is, um... She in, uh... Is she in jail? I found Dave chilling in the warm sun behind the couch and gently lifted him up with one arm. He was a support animal of sorts, I suppose. I always felt calmer when holding him. They... They, uh... Oh, no, Justin whispered. His voice was cracking, like he was crying, or trying to avoid crying, and it really put me on edge. Justin never cried. They found Jenna. At Mom's and Dad's. She, they, uh, they... <sighs> she is dead, Jeffy. Stabbed, murdered, blood all over, an absolute damn mess. Oh, shit. And, uh, Mom? I asked. Did they find Mom? Missing? Gone? Justin sighed. But that's not all, Jeffy. The baby... The... The baby... Jenna's baby? Ah, damn it. The baby is missing, too. Nowhere to be found. Oh, uh... Okay. I muttered. That's, um... That's not good, is it? No, Jeffy, that's not good at all, he said, a slight hint of annoyance in his tone. But listen, the cops want to talk to you. It's real important, Jeffy. Just, you know, stay put. Don't run. It, it won't look good if you run, Jeffy. Um, okay, I said. But why? Why can't I just come home? I haven't done anything. I can show them the video, prove that Mom did it. Just stay put, you hear? He said sternly. Just stay there. I've given them your location, Jeffy. They want to bring you in. Don't do anything. Uh, sure, I guess. I said, staring at Dave, trying to understand what was happening. I'll just, um, sit back with Dave then, I guess. Yes, of course, Dave, he sighed. Stay put with Dave, sure. I'll let them know, okay? Uh, yeah, thanks, Justin, I said. Talk soon.
He hung up, leaving me once again drowning in the fathomless depths of my own anxiety. I knew that I could trust Justin, but I also instinctively knew when he was lying. He'd done it before, leave out certain details to keep me calm and docile, as he'd have it. He didn't want me to worry, to stress out, to lose my mind. But this time it went deeper. This time I'm not sure he believed me. Or worse yet, he didn't trust me. I couldn't know for sure what the police had told him, or what he'd told the police. So in my rather feverish state of mind, I did the exact opposite of what he ordered me to do. I promptly left the premises, grabbed Dave and the laptop, and stumbled into the forest, not having the slightest idea of where I was. Add that to the fact that my sense of direction was abysmal at best, and you have one confused Jeffy, heedlessly heading for disaster. In retrospect, it was somewhat of a miracle that I didn't just topple over and fall unconscious out there in the middle of nowhere. I didn't realize the extent of my blood loss until I saw my ragged pajamas in the bright sunlight. I was positively drenched in blood, from neck to toe, a crimson spectacle staggering through the woods. There's like a few gallons tops in a human body, right? I'm sure some of you know this. I didn't. I went to some rather dark places of my psyche on my impromptu hike, revisiting memories I didn't know existed. Time spent delving into a childhood that seemed so strangely lacking. I could barely remember anything before the age of six, and even then, there was little but snippets, brief flashes and fragments. Isn't that strange? Dave seemed to enjoy cleaning my clothes, though, and with him as company, and possibly some sort of feline guardian angel, I somehow managed to keep up a moderately acceptable pace. I didn't want to expose my rather ominously decorated persona if I could avoid it, so when I stumbled upon the main road several hours later, I kept myself hidden in the tree lines for as long as possible. Thankfully the streets were more or less empty when I reached the outskirts of town. It was getting pretty late, so shrouded by shadows and sneaking stealthlessly around corners, I was able to get to my apartment unseen by anyone except for the neighborhood hobo, Lars. He'd probably seen stranger things, though, so he didn't seem altogether that bothered by my bloody appearance, nodding idly as I gracelessly tripped past him. I let out a sigh of relief as I pushed open the door. A shower, fresh clothes, food, sleep, mundane privileges we all take for granted. But oh so heavenly when you've gone without them for just as little as a day. I put Dave down, thanking him for putting up with me, secured the laptop, and headed for the shower. I was halfway into the bathroom when I noticed the smell. I say noticed, but in reality it was more like a pungent punch right up my nostrils. I doubled over on the floor more or less instantly, wrenching half of my lungs up, the other half desperately hiding behind other organs. A flood of memories overcame me as I lay there gasping for air, but they all seemed so false, like they'd happened to someone else. Flashes of screams and blood and death, tears and pain and torment. I managed to stumble to my feet, switching on the light as I did. The sight that unfolded sent me sprawling to the floor once more. There was a 
a thing in the bathtub. Once human, I'm sure. Now in pieces. I'd say dozens of them. Limbs, organs, guts. Bobbing around in a pool of blood and other fluids that probably belongs on the inside of the body. I resorted to crawling out of there, slamming the door shut the moment I crossed the threshold. I spent the next five minutes hyperventilating on the floor. There was an image etched into my mind. A head, a face, floating around in the pond of rotting remains, like a grotesque parody of a rubber duck. A face I instantly recognized. A head I'd seen so many times before. It was my mom. I anxiously fumbled with my phone, knowing there was only one person I could call, but I was immediately greeted by a bunch of unread messages and missed calls, all from Justin. I guess I hadn't noticed. I opened the messages, feeling an unrelenting dread rising as I rapidly read through them. Are you still there? The cops are coming now. Don't move. They should be right outside now. Don't move. Stay put, Jeffy. They're inside. Can't find you. Where are you? Stay where you are and call me. Where are you, you little shit? I told you to stay put. <laughs> Screw you, Jeffy. Where are you? You're dead when I find you, Jeffy. So it all ends with me dying. Not literally, of course. Not figuratively, either. Philosophically, maybe? How did we get here? How does a simple home video lead to such violence, death, and the utter dismantlement of my perceived reality? I guess that's what you're here to find out. Justin kept trying to call me, kept sending me messages, but I was still in no condition to respond. I'm not sure if you're caught on to this, but my mental state can sometimes be described as rather flimsy. When facing distress, I have this slight tendency to fall into bottomless pits of anxiety, and there's really not much I can do about it. Except petting Dave, that is. So that's what I did, for half an hour straight. Just kept stroking his silky, feline exterior. The shiny orange fur soon enough stained with crimson patches of blood. I still hadn't found time to clean up. Where could I clean up? My bathtub, and by extension my shower, was filled with what remained of my mom. Mom. And I felt no inclination toward dealing with that mess. New texts from Justin kept pouring in, and at some point they became too frequent for me to ignore. I scrolled down the near-endless list of capitalized profanity and hatefulness, focusing on the latter five, of which seemed a fair bit more level-headed, albeit infinitely more disturbing. Come see me at Grandpa's cabin, Jeffy. Come alone if you want the boy to live. You don't want it to happen again, do you? You don't want more blood on your hands. Be seeing you. There was a lot I didn't understand, and there was a lot I didn't want to understand. I could feel them, locked away deep in my mind a resurgence of memories pushing ever onwards. I couldn't let them free, though. No chance in hell. There was just no way I was going back to that place. Padded cells, padded mind. I hadn't been to the cabin for ages, probably even before Grandpa died. 
but it was quite a ways out, and I knew I didn't have the time or energy to dare the journey on foot. Luckily, my neighbor's kid had an old moped parked haphazardly in the middle of the street, and those suckers can be hot-wired with a single turn of a screwdriver. So without hesitation, I stuffed Dave under my jacket, and off we went. We were on the road for three, four hours maybe, and I had to stop to refill the ridiculously small tank three times over. Dave kept his calm about him as per usual, but I could tell that he was getting antsy by the time we turned off the main road, heading up the bumpy road to Quintessential Point, where Grandpa's old cabin could be found. I had to ditch the moped about halfway up, so I let Dave run free as we hiked the last couple of miles by foot. The cabin was an eyesore. It had always been an eyesore. Grandpa had fought tooth and nails to keep the property after certain incidents of federal nature forced him into hiding for a couple of years. It was situated on the very edge of the quintessential point, dangerously so, and there was a vertical drop of maybe 30 feet just on the other side of the ramshackle railings of the balcony. I felt a cold chill run down my spine as I spotted the silhouette of Justin in the window. I had no plan, and no idea what to expect. The Justin I knew was gone, replaced by a violent psychopath harboring unknown motives. I picked up the loitering Dave, and knocked exactly three times on the front door. Jeffy, Justin said, smiling warmly as he opened the door. I'm so glad you could make it. He seemed flustered, but otherwise in fine shape. A warm glow pulsated from the stove behind him, illuminating worn-down furniture and faded walls. And as he beckoned for me to enter, I heard a soft, muffled cry. Ah, I said. Is that Jenna's, uh, baby? Indeed, he grinned. He's all right, don't worry. Fed him some formula just now, so he's happy as a stiff at a funeral. Come in, Jeffy. Sit down. We have much to discuss. I sauntered into the living room, nervously scanning the interior. Nothing had changed, really. It was still the same tacky crap hole, moldy old animal hides, and broken antlers decorating the dead wooden walls. I sat down in Grandpa's old rocking chair, placing Dave in my lap, desperately trying to identify where he kept the baby. Justin gave me a brutal pat on the back and sat down on the couch opposite me. And sat down in the couch opposite of me. Jeffy, 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 he sighed. What are we going to do with you, Jeffy? I don't even know what I'm doing here, Justin, I said, gaze wandering around the room. But I suppose you're about to tell me. He threw his head back and laughed heartily. Sure you do, Jeffy. Sure you do, he said. You know I killed Mom, and I know you killed Dad. We're the same now, Jeffy. Matricide and patricide aside, we used to be so close, remember? I did remember. Justin always looked after me, kept me safe. I guess that's what made all this so hard to understand. I'd never seen this side of him before, and I was convinced I knew him intricately. But you don't remember why, do you? He leaned forward, eyes flickering left to right erratically. Why I had to be nice to you? What do you, what do you, what do you mean? I muttered. 
Oh boy. I knew they did a number on you over at the institution, but I never realized it was this bad, he said, rolling his eyes. You're the reason they stopped, you know. Poor Jeffy couldn't handle it. But they never considered what I could handle or not, did they? No, they messed me up good, Jeffy, and they didn't even care. I, I don't un understand. How did they mess you up? What couldn't I handle? Why, all the murdering, of course. He laughed, slapping his thigh. Oh, they enjoyed their depravity, didn't they? The screwier, the better. But poor Jeffy in a bathtub full of blood. Make Justin cut out all the organs. Force feed them both pieces of the victims. What a family, eh? No wonder you lost it eventually. The memories came flooding back to me. Screams, rivers of blood, the leathery texture of an undercooked kidney a knife in my hand, and an old, ugly, heinous face. Grandpa was the worst of the lot. Truth be told, I think they were happy when you slaughtered him. That's when they stopped, you know. That's when they sent you to that place. I, uh, I don't remember. No, you don't, do you? He said coldly. They couldn't get you to talk for months. And when you finally did, you couldn't remember anything just kept mumbling the same name over and over. Dave, Dave, Dave. I stared at Dave. He stared back, purring contently. What do you mean? What Dave? Did I know a Dave back then? Is that why I instantly named my cat Dave? There is no cat, Jeffy, he yelled. Think about it for God's sake. How long have you had him now? Thirty years? That's some old-ass cat you got there, buddy. No, I, no, I stammered. You're wrong, Justin. He's right here. I can see him. I can feel him. For frig's sakes, I don't care. Justin stood up and calmly walked toward the kitchen cabinet. Keep your imaginary friend. It really doesn't matter. In fact, it will make this whole thing a lot easier to sell. He opened one of the cabinets, the one at the very top and suddenly the muffled cries became louder. You see, I want to start my own family, he said, carefully lifting down the baby boy. But I need a demon in the hurricane. What, what, what does that mean? I said. I don't understand. Oh, surely you remember. It was Grandpa's family mantra. We cannot move lest we leave a demon behind in the hurricane. It's an overly pompous way of saying that we always need a scapegoat. I mean, think about it. How do you suppose they got away with all those murders, hmm? The only reason they did is because they consistently set up some poor schmuck to take the fall. And, and, uh, I'm your, I'm your demon? Look, I didn't plan for it to end this way. I just wanted you dead, Jeffy. That's all. That's why I switched out mom's birthday present with those tapes. I was so sure they were going to kill you for that. He gently rocked the baby back and forth, humming a beautiful tune. But here's the kicker, Jeffy. They weren't even going to hurt you. Not initially, anyway. Mom just wanted dad to bring you here, to keep you safe, to calm you down. So, you know, I lost it. Just killed her. What? Why did you want me dead? What have I, uh, ever done to you? I said, 
tears rapidly forming in my eyes. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I really thought I'd reached the bottom of the rabbit hole, but there was obviously more. Nothing personal, buddy, he smiled. Just wanted them to feel pain. They really loved you, Jeffy. Can't for the life of me understand why. But they did. Me? Not so much. I guess I reminded them too much of Grandpa, or perhaps themselves. Jenna's baby changed my mind, though. When Mom brought her over to try to convince you to come back home, I instantly knew what I'd wanted all these years. Someone to love. Someone to love me back unconditionally. Someone to shape. Someone to mold into a better, more capable me. I let my fingers run through Dave's soft fur. I needed his common guidance now. Dave's always been there for me. Always had my back. Always kept me on the straight and narrow. So, what now? I asked, eyeing the open window just behind the couch. Oh, you know, he said, placing the baby back in the cabinet and closing the door. You still have to die, Jeffy. Just need to make it look like... Make it look like you know... Suicidey? That's all I need from my demon. He grabbed the knife from the kitchen counter and edged closer to me. There was this look on his face. A very familiar expression I'd seen before. Once that I could remember, but probably countless times over. A look of hate and murderous violence. The exact look I saw in my mother's face when she butchered those poor people in the video. Give me a wrist, Jeffy, he snarled. No reason to make this more painful than it has to be. I got up from the rocking chair, backing up slowly, and Dave firmly in my grasp. I knew I had only one shot at this, so I needed to position myself just right. When Justin edged past the rocking chair, back turned to the couch, I made my move. I quickly put Dave on the ground, pointing at Justin. Get him, Dave, I yelled. Mess him up. We rushed at Justin in unison, and when he, wide-eyed with surprise and shock, stuck the knife brutally into my shoulder, I quickly jerked sideways, breaking the blade off at the grip. Sure, there was pain involved, but I've been through worse. With a continuous motion, I elbowed him in the groin and watched in awe as Dave messed up his face. That cat had some unreal moves, let me tell you. Justin stumbled back, and when he clumsily hit the couch, I charged at him with what little was left of my stamina, sending him tumbling through the open window. There was shattering of glass, a whole lot of blood, and horrible screams. As Justin and Dave rolled around, slipping underneath the ramshackle railing, suddenly free-falling the thirty feet down to the jagged rock foundation below. I heard a sound I can't accurately describe but I'm often reminded of it when I hear a butcher working with raw meat. Squishy, meaty sounds. I collapsed on the floor, desperately heaving for my breath. I would have passed out on the spot if it wasn't for the muffled crying coming from the cabinet. I stumbled to my feet, staggering towards it, gently lifting him down. He felt a lot like Dave. Same weight, different texture though. I sat down on the couch, momentarily lost in those bright blue peepers of his. Maybe I wanted my own family too. Maybe Justin could be my demon in the hurricane. But no, I wasn't them. 
I wasn't grandpa or mom or dad or even Justin. So I called the police, this time more than able to string together the correct words, describing in vivid detail everything from start to finish, from home videos to the shattered remains of Justin. I felt good. I felt free. But there was also a sadness, I suppose. A loss of sorts. Poor, poor Dave. So you see, it all ends with my death. Not philosophical, either. Mental, perhaps. Personal. A new me. The police came to believe me eventually, although it took them a few days of long, strenuous interrogations to get it sorted. A lot of details to be uncovered. Things from my childhood I just couldn't remember. They mentioned something, though. Something you lot might find comforting. On the second day of the interview... The lead detective asked me about Justin, about the struggle, about his remains. There were some marks, wounds we can't account for, he said, on the suspect's face. Looks a hell of a lot like someone, something, clawed him, scratched him up real good. Of course it looked like that, I thought, stroking Dave's perfectly soft fur lovingly. Of course it looked like that. <laughs>